I can tell this organization is committed to winning. The Broncos, they do have incredible fans that love this team, and I'm glad to be a part of it. Another takeaway for this Denver defense, and 58 is right in the middle of all of it. Wow! Touchdown, Denver! Unbelievable! Oh my goodness, what a play! Free agency frenzy is officially underway. Hello, everyone. Welcome into Mile High Magic. Alongside Nikki Javala, I am Michael Spencer. Glad to be with you as we recap the first couple days of free agency and a lot of big moves, obviously, around the NFL. We're going to focus on those pertaining to the Broncos. And the biggest one, not necessarily a free agent move, Nikki, but a move that the Broncos made on Thursday. They decided to officially cut ties with Joe Flacco. And I think we all kind of saw this coming. It was just a matter of when they were going to do it and how they were going to do it. Um, and now Joe Flacco, his his career as a Denver Bronco is now officially over. What a career it was. <laughs> Eight games, two and six, and a possibly career-ending neck injury. I'm sure he had a blast in Denver. Um, yeah, they, they waived him with a failed physical um, designation because he failed his physical at the end of the year with his herniated um, disc in his neck. Um, he's undergone multiple MRIs and had multiple opinions on the neck. Uh, I'm still trying to gain clarity on you know whether he continues to play. I mean, I, I get the sense that he still wants to, you know, stay in the league and see if he has a shot anywhere. Uh, I think the failed injury designation could hurt his chances quite a bit, but we'll see. As for the Broncos. They did not designate him a post-June 1 cut, which means they did not choose to spread his um, remaining dead money, which is counts against the cap, over two seasons. So they'll they'll take the full 13.6 cap hit this year, but ultimately it they save a little over $10 million. And with the rolled over cap space, it's basically a wash. I mean, all they did was just move around money. Um so they have an extra $10 million in cap space that they can use now. Um, and the quarterbacks they have on the roster are Drew Locke, um, Jeff Driscoll, who agreed to a two-year deal, um, and Brett Rippon, who signed a futures contract in January. Maybe they add another one. Maybe they bring back Brandon Allen um, for competition as a backup. But as of now, that's that's the group. And, yeah, it was – much like Case Keenum, it was a quick one-year run for Flacco. Which which is interesting when you think about how John Elway said that Joe Flacco was still in his prime oh, when yeah. he was signed by the Broncos. Of course, we all remember that press conference and, oh, yeah. and what that was. And I mean, that specific comment, look, I don't know that anybody bought that at the time. I don't know that Elway even bought the, the bill of goods that he was selling um, at that time. And, and obviously it's tough to say what happens with Joe and his injury. And, um, you know, I mean, there are people you could point to if, if you're a Joe Flacco defender, you could point to the fact that he had some game winning drives that were negated by the defense, giving up touchdowns on the other end. And, and maybe that had an impact on his time in, in Denver and how his final career, uh, record is going to shape up. Certainly his career record with the Broncos. So. Look, I think once Drew Locke played the way that he did and and talking to Joe Flacco on Locker Cleanout Day, he didn't sound like a guy who was really too keen on coming in and being a backup for Drew Locke. Um, and so you kind of got the sense that 
this was the move the Broncos were going to have to make because of the way Drew Locke played, because of what Joe Flacco wants in his career. And I agree with you. I don't, I, I, I don't think he wants to be done just yet. I think he still wants to play. Whether or not he's going to find that right opportunity will we'll have to be a wait-and-see type deal. But there were all these indications that the Broncos were moving toward this end with Joe Flacco and obviously you know the the biggest indication prior to him being released was them signing Jeff Driscoll and so this is this is now a situation where the Broncos go into the season with a young quarterback who they feel really good about uh, but there's a lot of unknowns here because you know yes Drew Locke played well in his five game audition but there's still going to be some bumps in the road as there are for every young quarterback and I think that this is, in the end, the right decision, but I do think that there is going to be, there's, this isn't necessarily a situation where the Broncos can just be like, okay, we're, we're good, right? Because you still don't really know what you have in, in Drew Locke. And I feel like, don't go into this next season, Broncos country, feeling like he's going to come in and be a world beater. He might be, but let's also remember he's played five NFL games in his career. There's still a long way to go to figure out who Drew Locke is really going to be in terms of an NFL quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this is this is one thing that John always said at the Combine, and he's absolutely right, is, you know, they're, they're hopeful he can be successful. Um They've gone through six other starting quarterbacks with the same hope, but, you know, this one, it, <laughs> you know, everyone feels a little bit different. Um, but he, he did kind of inspire hope at the end and the fact that, you know, his teammates really rallied around him. Um, he does kind of have that it factor, that charisma, um, where he's able to lead and really bring his teammates along with him, even though he's young and has all of five starts to his name. Um, so they are hopeful, but they also know that they got to give him way more support than he yes. had last year. And then, you know, more than what other quarterbacks had in years past. I mean, they, they started to invest in the offensive line um, last season. And I, the biggest move, obviously, was hiring Mike Munchak. You know, then they spend a lot on Juwan James. And though it didn't pan out last season, they, they still hope that, you know, he can be that elite right tackle that he has been and I you know if healthy he can be I mean even in the 60 snaps he he played last year they were better than most <laughs> of those behind him so um they gave him a bunch of money they drafted Dalton Reisner in the second round and now in free agency after letting Connor McGovern go um they signed Graham Glasgow who is you know one of the top um offensive linemen on the open market and he's a guy that you know, it's not only durable, but quite efficient when he plays. Mm-hmm. And he, he can play both guard and center, both sides even at guard. So he gives them tremendous flexibility on how they kind of rearrange that front five. Um, it's still to be determined who's going to fill that fifth spot and whether it's a center or a guard. Um, they tendered Elijah Wilkinson, um, and he can play multiple spots too. So... Maybe they bring in a, another lineman. Maybe they draft somebody. Maybe they give Wilkinson a shot. Um, but getting that line solidified to where they have at least three players who can stay together for, you know, two years, maybe longer, is huge. I, I think there's been so much rotation on that line that it, it's hard for them to gel or have any sort of cohesion. Um, now, there's obviously still work to do with, you know, giving Drew Locke more weapons. Um, I, I know they had discussed um, 
you know, bringing in another running back who's used more in the passing game because it, it, it's that's something that Pat Shermer has you know typically always had when he's um, been calling plays on offense. That's a big piece of his offense. So I would expect them to maybe look at some changes there, bring in somebody who can complement Philip Lindsay, um, and of course they need receiver help. But you know, with so much depth in the draft, to me, this isn't to say that they won't do something in free agency, but to me with so much depth and talent in the draft, it would seem silly to spend a lot of money on somebody, um, a veteran player when you could get a quality player for much less and who is younger and could foreseeably last longer um, in the draft. So they've, they've Emmanuel started Sanders to really build is out around. there. Maybe they'll, maybe oh, they'll yeah. bring him back. Oh yeah. That worked out well. He seemed really happy here. Him <laughs> and Cortland Sutton seem like good friends. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, um, that's a good no. One. I think you're right, and especially when you consider the Broncos' capital that they have in the draft in terms of the amount of picks that they have. Um, so those those are two things weighing heavily in their favor. One, it's a really deep wide receiver class, and two, they have a lot of capital to spend um, in terms of picks if they wanted to make a move or or something of the likes. Um, I think the the most important piece here is what you touched on with the offensive line and the fact that when they, when they went and added Graham Glasgow, that to me was a big addition because I think, yes, you got to have talents around your young quarterback, but you got to protect your young quarterback more than anything. And I think that has been the biggest problem. I think anybody who has watched the Broncos over the last several years, even going back to 2015 knows that the offensive line was an issue. And so Nikki, for me, this is the first time in a long time where you kind of feel good about about the offensive line and, and the way it projects moving forward. I would have loved uh, if they would have been able to have kept Connor McGovern. I agree with you. I was a little surprised they let him go um, because I thought he, you know, with his experience, he's a smart player. He's versatile too. He can play either interior spot. I, I thought it would have been a pretty formidable line there, but, you know, good for him. Um, he's got a good deal from the Jets and he's, he's one of those guys I, I really – respected especially late in his career um you know offensive linemen generally don't talk that much they're you know generally told not to they operate as one they don't want any of them speaking out of turn right but he was one who quietly just kind of did his job and went on his way and he he really started to do a lot outside of football that really impressed me so hopefully he has a successful run in New York. Yeah. And I, I think that he will, you know, and the thing about Connor too is his, he was durable, you know, I mean, he played mm-hmm. 31 of the last 32 games, I think started 31 of the last 32 games uh, for the Broncos. If I, if I have that correct. So I think they will, they will miss him. I think they'll be able to kind of figure out what they're going to do there, but I would have loved this offensive line. Yeah. If you had McGovern, Reisner, Glasgow, James, and and Garrett Bowles, you know, and like how many times can you say those in the same sentence? Right. So um, that's unfortunate, and that's that's now an area of need for them. They got to figure out what they can do there. What I hope they don't end up doing is just trying to piecemeal it together, right? Because we've seen them try to do that in the last couple of years, and it has not worked. Um, and, and I don't know that that ever works. And so I think that they got to figure something out there. Um, well, let's stick with the offense here and, and talk about the other. Uh, offensive starter that they lost, and that was Andy Janovich. And man, I'm man, gonna miss Jano. Twenty two Janos. <laughs> oh. 
Janovich will be remembered for so many things, right? He's like, a, there's, he's a legend. There was the blue truck. There was Brock Alifo. There was the drinking beer during the game, sitting in the stands when he was on IR. Like, so much. And, oh, by the way, he was a really good fullback and created some really nice holes yes. for Philip Lindsay. And, and those guys in the locker room really, really loved playing with him. Um, I like to think of Janovich as, like, you know, Denver's small piece of Americana, you know, like he is the ultimate <laughs> Nebraska guy. Um, guys loved him though. He was, yeah. he was hysterical, but it's also not surprising that they traded him, and also not surprising that they traded him to the Browns, which is where they sent their last fullback. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it, it just wasn't a fit for Pat Shermer's offense. And of course you can always raise the question of, you know, this is the, you know, why do you keep changing offenses, especially after you give guys extensions and now you have to trade them off. But, you know, at least they got something in return, though, you know, a future seventh round pick isn't much. But, um, yeah, it, it kind of seemed inevitable that they would move on from Janovich. And, you know, now I'm curious to see what they do with that room because it's um, Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman, Devontae Booker is going to be gone. Um, you know, do they bring in another halfback who doubles as a pass catcher, basically like a theoretic type? Um, and who is that? Um, and what does this mean for Andrew Beck too? Yeah. Um, you know, do they use him differently? I, I think you're right on all those fronts, right? Like Janovich didn't fit, so you had to trade him. This is mm-hmm. a product of having to go through so many different offensive coordinators yeah. because it's hard to build your roster when you have the coaching turnover that you've had because guys change different schemes. You need different guys to play different roles. And last October, they signed him to a contract. I mean, less than a year ago, they signed him to an extension and then they trade him. A couple months after that. So um, that is that is obviously a product of the instability that they have had at that position in terms of offensive coordinator. And and I totally agree. They gotta bring somebody in, uh, in terms of a of a halfback who can who can catch passes because you don't feel good about your running back room going in with just Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. And I don't know I don't know who they get. Obviously there's still, you know, some running backs available still on the market, but there aren't any there there isn't anybody that's gonna blow you away, right? And so They've got to figure out what they're going to do there. Um, I do think that Beck gives them better options than Jano did mm-hmm. in terms of a pass catcher because he can also play yep. tight end a little bit too. Right. Um, and so I think that's part of the reason why they they made the move to ship Jano out and, and keep Andy, Andy Beck. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I, I would expect them to make another move on offense, if not in this first wave and you know the, maybe the second wave of free agency, but where they do it, Remains to be seen if it's the line, if it's, you know, running backs room. Um, again, maybe they look to the receiving core. Um, but I think so far with the, the pieces they've added on offense, um, coupled with the really strong pieces they've added on defense, are I think they've had a really solid start to the offense, um, you know, through trades and free agency. And, I mean, on paper, they look better. Um, it's always a kind of wait and see with you know how they pan out I mean on paper Juwan James looked great coming into last season but (laughs) I don't think anybody saw that I mean maybe some predicted an injury with him but um you know to miss most of the year so I mean Jarrell Casey getting him was just huge I think yeah 
Yeah. Um, speaking of the defense, you mentioned that they got better on that. The two big additions, Jarrell Casey and A.J. Boye, um, and then obviously Chris Harris Jr. leaving in free agency. Let's start with the guys they got, and, and Jarrell Casey being the latest addition. We did our podcast on A.J. Boye and uh, knew that the Broncos were going to get him, that trade now official. Uh, but Jarrell Casey, a, a deal that came down on Wednesday, um, and as they sent a seventh-round pick to Tennessee for Casey. Nikki is a guy who's a five-time Pro Bowler. He's missed mm-hmm. five games during his nine seasons in the NFL, so he is durable, and as I saw, you know, the the cliche is that ava- the best ability is availability, um, and he certainly checks that box, and this was a position of need for them. So, you look at all that, and all they had to give up was a seventh-round pick. It's a it steal. seems like a big win. Yeah. I mean, the Titans were clearly looking to shed cap space. Um and getting him is huge. Yes, he's a little bit older than DJ Reader, who they were also in the mix for, um, but ultimately declined to um, not sign him to as much as the Bengals ultimately did. I think he got, what, $13.3 million a year for a no- he's a nose tackle. Um, but instead, they, they take on the final years of Jarrell Casey's deal, which I think he has three years remaining, but the salary's not guaranteed. So it's quite reasonable for somebody at his position and, um, you know, for the next few years for the Broncos. Plus, it gives them a, a really important veteran presence in, you know, in the locker room as a whole. I mean, they're a very young team. Chris Harris is gone. Derek Wolf is probably gone. Shelby Harris is gone. Um, this is a guy that I, I believe was a two-time Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee for the Titans. He's one of those all-around good guys. Um, I seems like he's very much like a Wesley Woodyard type. Um, and he's, again, there's a trend here with, with Fangio's team. He's versatile. Um, he can play the nose. He can play end, too, um, which is important. I mean, that, that defensive line was kind of decimated in free agency. They tendered Mike Purcell. So the way I see it now, and, unless they um, – you know, sign somebody else or, or draft somebody is that starting line is going to be Draymond Jones, Mike Purcell inside and um, Jarrell Casey on the other end. And there's going to be, you know, they'll move around some, but you think about Casey Draymond Jones up front, and then you've got Chubb and Von Miller on the edge. That's a, that's a heck of a defense. Um, you that know, it's pretty good. Yeah. So, you know, I, I love the move. I think it was a great trade, especially for the, for the Broncos. Um, and hopefully he can, you know, finish out his deal. The Broncos have a pretty clear out, you know, after one year, but especially after two years. Um, and he'll be at 32 by then. But, you know, three years is a solid run for, you know, a strong defensive line. So we'll we'll see. I, I, I thought it was a great move. And it goes back to what you got him for. I mean, they got him for a seventh round pick. It's not like they're over, right. you know, I mean, his right. salary's high, yes, but it's not like they had to give up a lot in terms of, of getting him. And I think it's more beneficial to do it this way than it was to maybe try and find somebody on the open market yeah. and take on less of a risk there uh, when you consider that right. all they gave and up And they still got 10 picks. Pick. Yeah, yeah. So the Broncos get Jarrell Casey. They send a seventh-round pick to the Titans. The other big move that we, of course, have talked about is A.J. Boye. Nikki, yesterday the move became official. Um, Boye had a chance to meet with uh, the Denver media folks, which I know he was looking forward to. Uh, I thought it was really interesting, his relationship with Chris Harris Jr. And, of course, as we've talked about, they used to have the same agent. um, And then Chris fired the agent and went to a different agent. Um, But, you know, he talked about working out with him and 
how he learned a lot from Chris about being a pro, about being a, a dad, being a father. And um, so I think, I, I don't know, Broncos fans probably enjoyed hearing that because if they can get the production that they got from Chris Harris Jr. from A.J. Boye, then I think they're going to be really happy with what they end up getting in the long run, even though it is kind of a twisted relationship given what happened on the whole agent front. It was a very articulate politically correct answer um (laughs) but he i mean it was it was very nice i mean he you know raved about how he you know has a best footwork of anybody he's seen and his work ethic um like you said i learned a lot from him on how to act on the field off the field um so yeah i thought his interview was great he did it was by conference call because obviously they're not allowed to travel but you know Bouye smartly got his physical done and signed his contract before everything was canceled so it was able to go through um but he he had some interesting things to say i mean he is you know he's played outside his entire career and he you know that's where they're going to use him in Vic Fangio's system i still think it's interesting that you know a few years ago when he was a free agent the bears really came after him hot and heavy and actually offered him the most money he ultimately decided to go to jacksonville but um Vic Fangio clearly liked him. He was the Bears defensive coordinator at the time. And, you know, now that he's head coach here, he circled back and wanted to get him. The the Chris Harris relationship is <laughs> interesting because things did not end amicably between him and his agent. And that agent, of course, is um, A.J. Bouye's um, agent. Um, and now A.J. Bouye is the uh, highest paid undrafted corner in the league in the highest paid undrafted corner in Broncos history and basically subs in for Chris Harris, even though he's not playing in the slot. But so, yeah, it's a little odd and it's going to be even weirder when the Broncos face the chargers twice a year and Chris uh-huh. is wearing 25 in a, you know, light blue and yellow. That's going to be very odd. Um, but I, I think he's a good pickup. I, I think he he does upgrade that secondary, and you, you pair him with Kareem Jackson at safety. Justin Simmons will be back. Um, and Joey says hello. Um, <laughs> and you know, you assume Bryce Callahan um, hopefully is healthy. Um, he's been rehabbing after a second foot surgery. Um, and then you know, I, I would expect them to bring in another corner for depth, um, be it a veteran yeah. or a draft guy. They did keep Devonte Harris on a one-year deal, but, um, I, you know, given the injuries they dealt with in that room and, um, just the general lack of experience from the guys deep on the depth chart, I, I would think they'd try to bring in somebody else. When you look at the Chris Harris deal, the way it looks to me, two years, less than $20 million for the chargers. It's bad. Chris. It's, yeah. W- I don't. It's, it's, I don't know why Chris Harris took it, but continue. Well, <laughs> what does that say about the market? Right, like I saw, I saw a meme on somebody's Chris Harris tweet, and it was Will uh, Will Smith in the movie Hitch, and he's sitting there, and he was like, "I had that going differently in my mind than it, than it did," you <laughs> yeah. know, and it was yeah. like that was that was Chris Harris's reality yeah. during free agency. I mean, if you remember when we were cleaning out the locker room, he's sitting there like, "No, I expect to be gone," you know, first day. I'm not going to plan on yeah. taking any visits, and obviously that was before coronavirus and everything shut everything down, but he thought he was going to get paid yeah. and he didn't. He thought he was going to get paid, you know, when the market opened too. 
Um, you know, he kind of made the comparison to him and Byron Jones as his top two corners on the market. And obviously Byron Jones got paid significantly, but the reality is, you know, Chris was a fantastic corner for the Broncos, one of their greatest ever. Um, and he's still a great corner. Um, but I think after last season with his slip in play, he proved if anything that, you know, they can't move him outside. He, he struggles against bigger tight ends and he speed wise, he can't keep up with, you know, so a lot of the top receivers granted, he did not have the help he had, you know, when he was playing alongside a keep to leave. Um, but, um, you know, the, he did have a dip in play. He's primarily a slot corner and he's going to be 31 next season. So uh, I, I don't know that any team is going to be willing to pay top dollar for, you know, a slot corner, especially someone his age. Um, so I, I honestly never expected him to get, you know, the 12 and a half million a year he would have gotten had he accepted that uh, two year extension from the Broncos last year at the trading deadline. Um, but I thought he would, you know, get maybe like 11, not two years, 17 with really only seven and a half guaranteed. I mean, it's, it was initially described as a two year, $20 million deal, but it's two years, 17 and that a half. And yeah. With incentives, he can get up to 19 and a half. Um, his salary next year is not guaranteed. His primary guarantee is a seven and a half million dollar signing bonus. So in my mind, I view that as really a one year deal. Um, yeah. The money ain't always greener. No, no. You know and what's what interesting mean? is like, you know, even when the Broncos aren't doing well, um, guys, guys that stay here, um, usually end up faring better than guys that leave. I mean, TJ Ward still out of the league. A keep mm-hmm. to lead. It hasn't been great for him. I mean, he went to a Super Bowl with the Rams, but since then it hasn't been great. Um, you know, uh, Bruton, when he went to the Redskins thinking he was going to get a starting job, that ended poorly. I mean, Brandon Marshall out of the league. I mean, I, I would say Danny Trevathan is probably one, maybe the only that really. Malik Jackson better. had a Malik, decent Malik run, did, you know? but he, he yeah. didn't play out. You know the the full right. contract, whereas Derek Wolf played out his full contract, even though he took less. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. I mean, even when things are bad in Denver, it's not always like you said. It's not always better elsewhere. So well, and it goes to speak to to how much fit matters, you know, right. and how right. much the guys around you matter too. Like Danny Trevathan and Malik Jackson, no doubt benefited from having the no fly zone behind them, and Chris benefited from playing with Akeem Talib. And it's a very symbiotic relationship. Um, and I think you're starting to see, you know, kind of the fallout of of that and how that plays out for guys. But I, I, I think they've done a nice job of trying to rebuild. I mean, again, it's just on paper at this point, but they have some good pieces in place. Speaking of pieces that are still on the market, Shelby Harris, Derek Wolf, Will Parks. I mean, I think Shelby and Derek, mm-hmm. the two guys that – people thought would probably be somewhere by now and, and be figured out. And we're sitting here recording this and it's almost two o'clock mountain time on Thursday. And you never know what's going to happen with our luck. As soon as we press publish, Shelby Harris and, and Derek Wolf are going to find new homes probably. or resign with the Broncos. But I, I think it's interesting that those two guys are, are still out there. Shelby, especially. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he, you know, and he may still get this, but I thought he'd be a first wave guy who got, you know, maybe 11, even $12 million a year just because of the demand for the position. Um, and what he showed last year as his, you know, first year full-time um, starter. So we'll see. I mean, you know, the more guys that sign, the fewer positions they are. Um, Wolf, I thought he would 
go a little bit later. Um, I think the door is still maybe slightly open for him to return to the Broncos, but he would have to take a, you know, significant discount. I mean, that's, you know, if he's received offers elsewhere. Um, for him, it may come down to money versus family. You know, if if he gets more elsewhere, but he wants to stay in Denver because his, his family's here, he's really established his life here, he said he wants to retire a Bronco, that could be ultimately the deciding factor for him, even though he said, you know, previously that he doesn't want to take another discount. Um, so uh, a lot's still kind of up in the air. Um and it's still early in free agency, but I am a little surprised that Shelby especially hasn't gone in the first wave. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I'm with you. I thought he was a guy that would get paid. Um, I'm with you. I, I think the door is maybe a little bit more open than, than you tend to do for, for Derek Wolf to return because of the, what you mentioned in the family, you know, and, and I think there's a lot, there's the money, there's the, the role too. Like he's got to accept that his role in Denver is going to change if he does resign. Right. And is he willing to do that? And is he willing to do right. that? versus weighing the option of moving his family somewhere, right. you know, and he's, he and his wife relatively young, they've got a young baby at home, you know, so there's a lot to consider for him um, that I think could, could weigh in the Broncos favor. Yeah. Um, if he is indeed willing to take a pay cut and, and take a reduced role. Absolutely. And I think, I still think he's a valuable piece to that locker room. Um, you know, he's, He's been through a lot in his life as well as his career. And I, I think he's a really great example for um, many of the young guys who I mean, his work ethic is just phenomenal. You just don't make guys like that. No. Um, you know, he's just a rare dude and he's, he still plays quite well. I mean, health is kind of always been the issue for him, um, staying healthy at full season. But, you know, the last injury was certainly not, I mean, that shouldn't have even happened because it happened on a dead play or what should have been a dead play. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I mean, yeah, I think there's going to be much more factored in for Derek than maybe say just the money or the location or whatever. I think it's going to be a, a number of things. Um, but, you know, the longer Shelby stays on the open market, his value diminishes too. And maybe they yeah. kind of go back to him and say, you know, looks like you don't have much. How about this? Because I know yeah. they like Shelby. Yeah, you're at the point in free agency where the balance of power has shifted and it is now with the teams opposed to being with the players. Right, you know? exactly. I mean, when, that, when you're in that first wave, the balance is with the players and they have the power and now it's shifted back to the teams and, and they have the negotiating power in this. So um, obviously we'll continue to, to keep you updated on where we go from here. Shelby, Derek, what happens with them? And then uh, once we get an opportunity to hear from Jarrell Casey and, and A.J. Boye maybe in the, in the flash and not just uh, over the phone, of course, who knows how long uh, that will be. And uh, uh, crazy, crazy times throughout the sports world, but we'll be sure to keep you updated um, on all that goes on in uh, in Broncos country. That is going to do it for us, for my partner, Nikki Javala, and everyone here at The Athletic, our fantastic producer, Danielle. We appreciate you guys logging on to this edition of Mile High Magic. We will talk to you soon.